It was my 23rd anniversary, wedding anniversary. It was? Yeah. Oh, congratulations yeah. to you. Certainly not to her. Oh, no. My deepest sympathies to yeah. Tanya. It's a terrible time for her. Yeah. 23 years. It's amazing. It's incredible. We were talking last night. It has flown by. I don't know what happened to time. I know. I'm at this, you know, I had my 20th uh, anniversary uh, recently. Condolences to Lisa. No kidding. And uh, I thought to myself, like, wow, like, I've been together, uh, I've been with her for 20 years, going back a couple years before that. Like, we've basically been together half of our lives. Yeah. 25 (laughs) years for us, which is, you know, four years from my entire life. Mm -hmm. Uh, For you. 29. And uh, 29 times what? Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, so it's it's strange because it's also the anniversary of this program. I got married, moved. I got married on a Saturday, yeah. moved to Tampa, and started the the show on the following Monday. That's so crazy. tomorrow's broadcast is the twenty third anniversary of the Glenn Beck Talk Radio program. Although there were variants of it, there were like it's like yeah. this is like the twenty third anniversary of the Omicron variant. Like there's, we had beta, we had and alpha, is, we had delta. And it was just as helpful to society <laughs> as uh, as that variant. Okay. Um, speaking of uh, medical uh, medical stuff, Jace Medical is a name I want you to remember. Jace J A S E Jace Medical. The American Society of Healthcare Pharmacists group that tracks the production of medications around the world has declared that there is a worldwide shortage of antibiotics. Specifically, amoxicillin. Oh, well, that's not used every day. If there is one thing we learned uh, or should have learned from the pandemic is we should make our medicine here. If there is some sort of a breakdown or a shortage, what do you have? Well, Jace is making now the Jace case from Jace Medical. And it is a great way to keep yourself prepared for the worst. It is a pack of five different courses of antibiotics that you can use to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, things like UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, a lot more. It is a great way to be ready for shortages and a perfect thing for traveling. Uh, Darla wrote in, she said, my child developed an infection while we were on vacation. Luckily, we always travel with the Jace case. I started her on antibiotics. The infection cleared up. Her doctor later told us it was likely the antibiotics that uh, saved her life. Thank you. Listen, don't get caught unprepared for anything. The Jace case. You can find it at jacemedical.com. Use the offer code BEC10 at checkout for 10 bucks off your order. It's J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com. Offer code BEC10. The best of the Glenn Beck program. Okay, I don't know about anybody else, but um, I'm thinking that it worked out pretty good uh, holding McCarthy, you know, for 15 votes. I don't know. But Glenn, it was such an embarrassment. And it was such yeah. a, was so, can you believe mm. the dysfunction in the party? No. All that. No, I can't. Oh, it was gosh. four days. We delayed their no important work by a few days. Yeah. That's. Um, yeah. So here's what they got. Uh, minimum 72 hour reading period for all bills presented to Congress. 
Now, you would think that, well, we already have that because that's exactly what President Obama, I'm just going to just point out, the Freedom Caucus actually got in writing what President Obama said he was going to do and never did. 72 hours to read a bill. Why is that important? Because we don't have a constitutional republic anymore. The way this is being run is there is no appropriations committee, really. There is no way to um, have the power of the purse with Congress because they don't make a budget. They just give you one lump sum and then let the president divvy it out. That's unconstitutional. That's not the way anybody does that. Nobody does that. You have a budget. Okay. They don't have that. You also no longer have the same process of debate on the floor. When was the last time you saw, except for last week, when was the last time you saw Congress all sitting together as a House of Representatives and debating and have people behind them listening to them? Everything that you have seen on the House floor where somebody gets up to make a statement There's nobody else in the house, literally no one else in the house. That's all made for TV. And this is why one of the first things they do, and this is Republicans and Democrats, one of the first rules they pass is to make sure C-SPAN cameras can't be pointed at the gallery. Yes. Because they don't want you to see that no one's there. Correct. So the only reason you saw any of this stuff with McCarthy and and like uh, Matt Gates and the guy being restrained and all, the only reason you saw any of that is because the speaker wasn't in place yet and the rule wasn't set yet so that the C-SPAN cameras could be pointed at the gallery. As soon Now they can't. You're never going to see that stuff again. For two years. But because they hadn't put those rules in yet, you got this small window of time to actually see what was happening. Right. You need transparency. This is our government. We vote. They're representing us. I want to see what they're doing as they represent us. So there was no debate. It was all decided by Nancy Pelosi and Kevin McCarthy. And then it was uh, Chuck Schumer uh, and Turtle Face. And... Those four were making the decisions of what would come to the floor of the House and the Senate, and then they would give it to you, you know, maybe five hours before a vote. It's 2,000 pages. You can't read it. You need attorneys. You need your staff to go over what is in that bill. That's what the House Freedom Caucus just accomplished for you. Conservatives who are against this, will you, you don't have to apologize, Will you at least admit this is something good? Democrats who said, these guys are terrorists. It's in the hands of of crazy people. Is that crazy? What they got, is that crazy? Or does that work to your advantage as somebody who belongs to the United States of America as a, a voting citizen? Isn't this a good thing? Now, they also got a a commitment on a committee to study potential FBI abuses uh, against the American public. That's a church committee. And I'll explain that later next hour. That is really, really good. How about this for everybody who thinks it's an extremist thing on the left? Term limits. They're going to get a vote. We all know how it's going to turn out. But they're at least going to get a vote on term limits. 
that's something that almost every American is for. One of the most popular things in our discourse. Correct. Eighty percent of people Correct. support it. Correct. So how is this a bad thing for America? For Republicans or Democrats, this is the first time I've seen a group of people actually do the work of the American people and take all the arrows and keep standing. When's the last time you saw anybody do that in Congress? Not for some special interest, not for something that is really divisive. None of those are divisive. When's the last time you saw that? Congratulations to the House Freedom Caucus. I wish these guys were in charge, honestly, because they're they're only asking to live by the Constitution. That's a good thing. A really good thing. So congratulations, America. You won. Now, <clears throat> we're going to get into this a little later. But I want to talk to you about how the world is completely inside out. And I've spent a lot of weeks um, reading and studying and praying and looking at what is the message that I can bring to you um, that will be helpful and additive to your life. How can we save our nation? I will tell you that I truly believe the only thing that will save our nation, really, truly, miraculously save it, is God. Is if we turn back to the Lord and beg forgiveness and ask for his blessings again. If we don't do that, we are going to go the way of every other empire uh, of history. And we will find ourselves in true slavery, unlike anything that the world has seen ever before. Because China is the future. Uh, except it'll be global. So as I'm watching the rioters in Brazil, which we'll talk about later, and I'm seeing what's going on, they're trying to say that this is, you know, January 6th. This is nothing like January 6th. Although it has many of the same motivations as what Americans who voted for Donald Trump were feeling. And that is, this is... This is us against the machine. This is us against not Republicans, Democrats. But this is a machine that is crushing the average person. I want to give you the perspective here to think about that what you're really fighting is not left and right. What you're really fighting is not Democrat and Republican. What you're really fighting is. And I said this to you last week, and I want you to understand it before I add in something today. What you're fighting is a globalist fascistic movement called the Great Reset, which really is run by the global corporations and the elite uh, presidents, prime ministers, governors, parliaments of the West, Okay? It's an international fascistic sort of system. Business and government colluding because they know better. Then on the other side, you have the national uh, great reset, if you will, the national fascist. And that is China and Russia, where it's all run by a bunch of oligarchs or you know the party in China. 
And they collude with business to make money and keep the average person down at the bottom of the ladder. That's what you think you're fighting. But what we're actually fighting is international fascist. That's the Great Reset. That's what America is pushing for and Joe Biden. And then you have the Chinese model, the national fascists. You're leaving out something else. The locals. And that's where we are. And that's why so many people who are um, uh, former liberals, they, you'll read this from people in their tweets or their, their comments on things. They'll say, it's, it's just too crazy to hear a conservative talk about, you know, going local and think local and, uh, you know, support your, your, your farmer's market. Yeah, yeah. You know why it's weird? Because we admit you were right about some of this stuff. You were right about international wars. Maybe we should back off of some of that stuff and mind our own business. You were right about the government and business colluding. You're right. And you were right that the power really is local. So why are we arguing still? Local, if we fix us ourselves locally, the power remains closest to the people. This is the basic principle of the American Constitution. You keep all of the power closest to the people, not in some far distant city of Washington or, God forbid, in some far distant EU or the United Nations. You keep it closest to you because you have the best ability to fix the problems on the ground. If I call 911 because my house is on fire, I want that 911 call to go to my local community that is in touch with my local fire part department. I don't want it to go to some national 911 call that will prioritize which city is more important and then filter it down to my local. I want it local. That's the most effective way to fight the fire. That's what we're doing. And that's what you're really feeling. The media is helping either China or the Great Reset crowd. So either the international fascist or the national fascist. The media is helping both of those two and providing you with a false choice. It's one or the other. What do you want, China? What do you want? Well, no, I want local. And local means the Constitution. That's what they don't have a Constitution like this around the rest of the world, but we do. So we can understand it better. But that's why you're seeing riots in Brazil. That's why you're seeing them all throughout Europe. That's why farmers are standing up in the Netherlands. Wait a minute. We can't grow food this way. Because they're the local fire department they know. This is the best of the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Welcome. Glad you're here. Um, I just... I want to go over how important um, the the winning of a committee, a church-like committee, 
uh, has nothing to do with church, by the way. It has everything to do with investigating the CIA, the NSA, the FBI, all of these government agencies and finding out the truth of what they did. It was head, uh, headed by a senator uh, from Idaho. His name was Church. And it happened after Watergate. And Americans, like now, had a lot of questions. What is it that our CIA and FBI and everybody else is involved in? And they uncovered and proved all of these things that were conspiracy theories. All of it, a conspiracy theory. The CIA couldn't be involved in Watergate. Yep, 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 they were. Um, how about this? Project Mockingbird. Now, this was a, um, this was a, 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 a rumor, a conspiracy theory about the CIA. And what they did was, they're not supposed to operate here in America, but they were. And they were manipulating the American news media organizations for propaganda. And Project Mockingbird recruited leading American journalists into a network. And they influenced the operations of front groups. The CIA support of front groups was exposed. Uh, and what they were doing is that this front group with these journalists, they were coming out and saying, oh, no, this is. This is the way, this is what the story really is about, yada, yada. And they were taking all of their marching orders from uh, the government and the CIA. The church group proved that Project Mockingbird was happening and then set up, uh, you know, a, a committee in Congress to make sure that there was oversight on the CIA so they wouldn't do it again. But may I ask you? Do you think the Pentagon, the CIA, the FBI, that they have infiltrated and have front groups that are pushing a narrative on our journalists? Absolutely. We know it. Look at what happened again in Russiagate. Look at look at all of these guys from the CIA, all the guys from the CIA. This is definitely this has all the earmarks. All the earmarks of a Russian propaganda when they knew that wasn't true. Yeah, I mean, we've seen several examples of this. I mean, going back to Ben Rhodes and the Obama administration who yep. went to the press and said, you know, we told them, basically admitted, we a told lie. them lies about Iran because none of these reporters knew anything about it. So they'd believe anything we said. We've seen that over and over and over again. I mean, they are, you know, the attempt is not shocking. But when we catch them, there should be consequences. Consequences. Should be accountability. We should care. This is, the, I mean, it took a long time. The, many of these were well-known conspiracy theories, and that's how the way they were referred to as conspiracy theories. And nobody would report on them until the church committee. And then, lo and behold, what a surprise. It turns out they weren't conspiracy theories. Does any of this sound familiar? Then it was old news. Yeah. yeah it became uh, immediately new old here. news. Uh, then uh, Project Shamrock. Project Shamrock, Project Minaret. This was an espionage uh, exercise that was happening uh, here in the United States, run by the AFSA, which was the uh, predecessor of the National Security Agency. And what they did, and see if you don't think this is happening, what they did is they got 
access to daily microfilm copies of all incoming and outgoing and uh, transiting telegrams from Western Union, plus for everything from RCA and ITT. They were looking at all messages, all conversations that they could get their hands on coming in and going out from uh, citizens here in the United States. We just have the NSA just has a better way of doing it now. They just have more powerful, commu- uh, you know, computers <laughs> and algorithms. It, it, do you think that's not happening now? Well, some version of it is definitely happening. I mean, that's what the Snowden situation showed us quite a bit of that, right? Mm-hmm. In in action, and I, I mean, has it stopped? I'm sure not. And they had no warrants to do it. Hmm. hmm. You think anybody is is doing that? Uh, another thing was Project Gladio. Uh, this was um, uh, a project to arm and help terrorists uh, that were anti-communists, uh, mainly in in Italy. Uh, so our government was helping to overthrow governments. Can we t- can we say Ukraine? May we? May we say Ukraine? Not now. Uh, but just uh, during the Obama administration, absolutely this stuff was happening. Absolutely it was happening. Here's one. November 21st, 1964, a package containing a letter and a tape alleging King Martin Luther King's sexual indiscretions was delivered to Coretta Scott King, wife of Martin Luther, Jr., uh, Martin Luther King Jr., and later to King himself. The letter was anonymously written. However, Martin Luther King suspected the FBI sent the letter, a conspiracy theory. Coretta Scott King described the tapes by saying, I couldn't make much out of it. There's a lot of mumbo jumbo. The letter does not uh, specify precisely what action uh, they are urging King to undertake. King understood the letter as advocating that he commit suicide. Some say that it was just urging him to decline the Nobel Peace Prize and step out of leadership. Um, The church committee uh, found that, yeah, that wasn't a conspiracy theory. The FBI did that. Do any of these sound familiar? I mean, do we really think that these things aren't happening right now? We know. We know for sure. Project Mockingbird. We know the White House is telling people in social media. Isn't that also Exactly what Project MK Ultra was. This is something else the church committee took on. A program designed and undertaken by the CIA intended to develop procedures and identify drugs that could be used in interrogation uh, to weaken individuals and force confessions. Uh, it began in 53, halted in 1973. Numerous methods to manipulate subjects' mental states and brain function. Can't we say that that's most likely happening with the CIA and Google, Facebook? You really think that no one in the NSA, CIA, FBI is trying to, let me give this again, uh, weaken individuals or manipulate subjects' mental states and brain functions? 
They were using drugs then. They're just using algorithms now. Do you think that it is important that we look into what our government is doing, seeing that all of these things, it's a conspiracy theory. All of the things back in the 60s and 70s that were, quote, conspiracy theories, end quote, turned out to be true. Do you think it might have been important for 20 Freedom Caucus members to stand up against the machine and say, we want a committee to look into exactly the same things that the church committee looked into in the 1970s. And we want teeth so you can actually get the information and get to answers. I don't know. I think everyone who said this is the biggest crisis ever doesn't owe an apology. We all have our own opinions, and that's fine. But I would like to hear them at least come out and say, you know what? It might have been chaos. It might have looked bad. It might have been. But what they got, what they actually got is pretty good and not just for Republicans, but for the Constitution and every single American. Because if you think that this kind of this kind of black operations can happen in a free country and not affect you. I don't care how you voted. You are a fool or you're at least fooling yourself. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. We have Chip Roy coming up in uh, just a minute. He is uh, a little tied up. You know, I love this. CNN said, um, you know, that he was dangerous last week. <laughs> and uh, now they're saying he's uh, he's gone from a critic to a kingmaker. Really? Really, CNN? Huh. Who would have seen that one coming? Hmm. If they were honest at all, they would have seen that coming last week. It's really, truly bizarre coverage of this. Like, my favorite part of this was Gerald Nadler. Who came out and he said, if there's a real emergency, we couldn't respond. This is meaning that we don't have a Speaker of the House yet. Either the Republicans don't understand that or they do understand that and they don't care. I don't know which is worse, but it's a profound danger to the country as long as it lasts. Now, eagle-eyed uh, <laughs> viewers mm -hmm. might be able to detect the fact that at any point, Gerald Nadler... And any of the other Democrats could have voted for McCarthy to put him over the 218 uh, hmm. threshold. But they didn't. They didn't. Why? They knew they weren't going to win. They knew they knew Hakeem Jeffries was never going to be speaker this term. They knew that the whole time. It was solely politics. And by his definition, putting the entire country at risk. All they had to do was say, you know what? Screw these Freedom uh, Caucus guys. We don't want those rules. Who cares about those rules? Let's just put McCarthy over the edge. He's going to get it anyway eventually. They didn't do it because they were taking a stand. They didn't want to vote. They didn't want their name on this leadership for whatever reason. Like, the, it, it's so, it got so ridiculous so fast. What did we have? A few days of voting? Guys, can we get over ourselves? 
I guarantee what they would have done in those four days was nowhere near as consequential as what got done oh, in those rules. No. They would have done nothing. They, the, the main thing they would have passed is, hey, no longer C-SPAN cameras can no longer point their cameras at people in the gallery so we catch them doing things. <laughs> right. Like that's, that's you see what, that? I mean, that was amazing. McCarthy, when he came up to uh, Gates and yeah. uh, Bobert. Yeah. Woo! And I, can I... Smoked. Can oh, we, hang on. Hang on. Is he on? Yeah, we okay, have we Chip Roy on. Oh. oh, you have the clip. Mm. Okay. Yeah, uh, go ahead and play the clip. See uh, representative come up. They, they keep saying he's been restrained. Yeah, and he's, like he's they're going to come to blows. Like it didn't yeah. look like that. It looked like he was pissed off. Yeah, and, and came and was going to say something that somebody else put his hand over, over his, the congressman's face yeah. so he wouldn't say. It was like, don't make this worse. But Just don't, don't don't make this worse. So two things on this. One, I think the the restraint. They're saying he restrained. It almost came to blows. To me, it looked like somebody uh, realized this is going to be on TV. And you shouldn't say it. It wasn't a physical, like, pulling him back like he was going to get into a fight. It was pulling... He specifically starts with his shoulders and then pushes his hands up to his face so he doesn't say the thing he's about right. to say. Right? That's not about... They're about to get into blows. They were about to get into a big fight uh, verbally. Of words. And they didn't want that to be exposed to the cameras, which normally you can't see that stuff in, in the house. Um, secondarily, on Gates... Everyone was bashing Gates because they were they were going after him. They had this big back and forth. But quite clearly, there was a deal in place. After the, the Chip Roy faction had already come back to the other side, they were voting mm-hmm. for McCarthy. They needed f- four out of the remaining seven or six mm-hmm. to come to just say present. Or three, I think it was three they needed to get present. They got Boebert. They got Gates to say present. The third person, whoever that was, a lot of people think it was Rosendale, but the third person said, uh, voted for uh, Jordan or mm-hmm. one of the other candidates. And then Gates got all the heat because he was the last one who went. He was the last one who went and he said present instead of voting for McCarthy, which would have put him over the edge. Again, none of this made any difference because five minutes later, they just voted for right. him anyway. So it, it didn't wind up making a difference. But like Gates got all the heat. He got the the physical, you know, sort of confrontation. He got the yelling back. And he was the one that was uh, focused on by almost every media source. And I'm not like a Gates defender or anything, but like it seems like someone else bailed on this deal. Someone else said they were going to vote present and then changed their mind right beforehand and it wound up costing Did they get anything the in that last because I know the 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 last two votes were kind of close together. Right. So did they get anything? I don't think there was any expansion. I think what happened was there was a deal cut for the 14th round. Right. Then uh, Somebody I think changed. Gates and Bobert stuck to the deal and said present. They had to get three present. He's there. Okay, Here real quick. We'll get to this in a minute. We have uh, Chip Roy on. Chip, thank you. Hey, Glenn. From many like of the American people, thank you, thank you, thank you. It should come from all quarters of the American people because I don't think what you gained was uh, partisan at all. And uh, so thank you. Well, Glenn, thank you. Uh, again, we're... We're still working through it all, and and fought. You know, I was, I was in D.C. this whole weekend. I didn't go home uh, to see my family. We're we're now having meetings today. We got this rules vote tonight. We're still in working hard to try to make sure we get this all structured correctly. Um, I do think we won a significant battle of public opinion by the end of the week. Oh yeah. That we were trying to fight for structural, fundamental, transformational changes. 
Um, but, but, you know, look, it's miles to go before we sleep, right? We've okay. saved this from, yeah. So can you tell me about the church committee and the details of that? Because this is so important. Did we really get what we hope we got? We got a lot of what we hoped we would get. I would have preferred slightly more independence to elevate it to the level that I thought was critically important given the extent of the weaponization of government. However, given the track record of Jim Jordan being willing to take on the establishment in this town and take on and, and do the kind of investigative work necessary, we, we agreed for a number of reasons to put it as a subcommittee within the, within the House Judiciary Committee, but it would have, it, it would have autonomy uh, to a degree, obviously, with Jim on, that, on the subcommittee and significant uh, players that would be off of the Judiciary Committee combined with the smart lawyers on Judiciary Committee who know how to execute this sort of thing with broader, uh, broader jurisdiction to be able to touch on intel and other things. So we're still, we're still dotting every I and crossing every T literally today as we speak. We believe we have an agreement in principle that we think will give us significant more power and scope to go after the weaponization of government, but we're still fighting through it all today. So when it comes to the details, um, and especially of the church committee, is there uh, anything, anything that we should know or anything that they can take away at this point? No, I mean, look, I think what we're now trying to do is figure out the who and the exact mechanics. We pressed for bigger budget, bigger staffing, bigger uh, breadth of jurisdiction to be able to make sure that, for example, it's not enough just to say, oh, the Judiciary Committee will go after the FBI and Energy and Commerce will haul Anthony Fauci in for some health care stuff and Homeland Security will do something because it's China. We need to have a centralized command and control ability to go across the entirety of the federal government to see who was talking to whom to go after the American people for what reason, whether it was related to COVID, whether it was you know domestic terrorism you know, for parents who were going to the school boards, mm-hmm. whether it's DHS what the intel community is doing, who's collecting information on people, what do they do after January 6th. We need to be able to go broadly and look and dive into and, and hold this administration accountable. We think we've achieved that to, to, a, to a significant degree, but we, it, the who and the exact mechanics are going to be important. But again, Jim Jordan is a good friend with a track record, and we've given broader jurisdiction uh, within this subcommittee, we're working again on who and what. And it has the teeth to if it's Fauci, if if you know any of these things happen, you can defund and recommend for criminal behavior if it's found. Well, for sure, we can go. Look, first of all, you know we've got to exercise the power of subpoena. That's something the House does. Like the committees don't do it blindly, right? The committees have to go to the House. The House then executes a subpoena. Uh, if you're talking about the, the you know, what, what we're going to be able to do to hold them accountable, look, on defund, the Senate, you know, they screwed us, Glenn, when they passed that bill in December. So we I don't know. have defund power until next October. So we're going to spend now nine months building up to a conservative budget, conservative spending that will restrain Leviathan. We got that promise, that pledge to cap at 22 levels and to budget within 10 years and balance. That's hard. If we do that, we're going to be beating the crap out of non-defense discretionary in order to get there. And then by next October, we'll be able to, in the process of that spending arrangement, have accountability for the FBI, for the IRS, for DHS, et cetera. But that's going to take nine months to get there because the Senate stuck it to us. Are you seeing anybody that last week was opposed and this week is coming and going, you know, actually, you got, you got good things. I'm sorry, I, I wasn't with you. 
I think we've seen a decent amount of that. Uh, you know, I've, I've seen some contrition. I'm not going to mention by name. No, no, no. But I've, I've, I've had some good text messages, some good conversations, some good, you know, personal encounters. Uh, there's still a little bit of, you know, hard feelings. And there, frankly, there's a lot of misinformation. A few of my colleagues have gone out there and said, oh, you guys did a backroom deal yourself. I said, hold on a second. We posted on December 8th a letter listing the things that we thought we needed. We put it out there for public consumption. We debated within the four corners of roughly that agreement or that uh, you know set of, of asks and did that right up until D-Day on Friday, trying to extract the right level of promises and belief system that we would get there. We were given enough tools that gave us comfort that we moved the needle. Um, but, you know, it's going to take a while to execute and make sure we can get it done. This is the first time I have seen the media um, end up on the Freedom Caucus side or the co- side of the Constitution. Usually when you fight like this, the Republicans never win. Um, why the change is that and what do you learn from this that standing up and fighting for something that everybody on all sides uh, should want is is popular or worth doing or what what is it you take from this well part of the the problem for the american people is the opaqueness right like it was kind of cool having the c-span cameras following us on the floor watching us talk seeing how we're engaging it was important to have 434 bodies there on the house floor this entire week it was important to be able to get up and give speeches somewhat open-ended in front of the whole body and see what would happen. For example, when I stood up and nominated Byron Donalds, for the first time we had two black Americans in nomination for uh, Speaker of the House. And, and to say that's not you don't just you don't own playing you know, games about race over there on the Democratic side. We stand up for people that we believe, regardless of skin color, and, and are willing to stand up behind someone like I did, like Byron Donalds, because I believe in him. I want him, not Hakeem, and I don't care about his skin color. At the end of the day, we worked out a deal and an arrangement, including with Byron sitting at the table at the room with me and with Dan Bishop and Scott Perry from the Freedom Caucus and others. We worked out an arrangement that we think will improve things. It ain't going to be perfect. It's a majoritarian body. I can't own 218 people's votes. I have no right to. I have the ability to try to persuade. We are moving the needle. It won't be perfect. I just ask all of our conservative you know, activists, friends, and listeners out there, keep the pressure up. Hold me accountable. Hold us all accountable. But we're doing what we can, we think, to move the needle in this town towards openness and a sense that we're going to try to do the work of the American people and empower your congressman, not just a few people, to be able to execute for them. Congressman Chip Roy from the great state of Texas, a man I hope uh, eventually runs for uh uh, Senate, and, and, and I'm not talking about uh, Ted Cruz's seat, um, <laughs> a, a guy who has actually fought and uh, come forward with uh, the goods at the end. Thank you, Chip. I appreciate everything you do. God bless. Na, 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 na.